Welcome to the Flowering She Rose Budcast, a space devoted to the divine feminine rising within each of us. My name is Anahita, and I'm here to bridge plant and human consciousness as we gather in this virtual garden and explore how plants can guide us in our lives as multidimensional human beings. It's my prayer that these personal stories, transmissions, and medicine music may remind you of the sacredness of this magical life and the power that lies in your intuitive nature. We're so glad you're here. Hi friends. First things first, I have an announcement to make. Today I'm launching the Flowering She Rose Patreon page. Patreon is a place where content creators and artists can set up a community so that they can receive monthly donations and continue their work with the support of the people who love them. And over there, I've set up an altar of roses where you can choose to symbolically help decorate it either with a rose petal or a rosebud or an ever unfolding rose, depending on which um, tier you choose. And so there will also be bonus audio up there for people who choose the $5 a month tier, um, such as shamanic journeys and guided meditations from myself and also from previous guests, which I'll be uploading in the coming days so that there'll be some content ready for you when you head over there. My goal for this podcast is to publish it, publish a new episode on each half moon, the half moon symbolizing wholeness and the equal importance of the light and the dark. And also because there's so much going on on the full moons and the new moons, but yeah, my life is definitely very much attuned to the moon. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, but it's also a lot of work that goes into creating each episode. It's a solid 20 hours of focused work that I've been putting into each episode from beginning to end. And there's also costs involved, recurring monthly costs for hosting, software, hardware, and also the music. Also supporting the artists that let me feature their medicine music. And I have high hopes for this space. I would really love to continue to have this be, you know, part of how I serve in the world and, and my job. And when you research, like creating a podcast, they'll tell you it, it makes no sense to have a podcast unless you're trying to sell something and have people sign up for your newsletter and buy your product or your service but that's never the way that this podcast was set up. It was always really clearly guided that, that this is the actual work. And while I will perhaps start offering more services like readings or selling my essences, that's not the primary focus, which makes it ever more important to call in the support of the community. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Another way that you can support the podcast is by letting your friends know, by sharing on social media to, yeah, spread the word. Today I'm going to take you with me on a pilgrimage through the airwaves to a sacred spot on earth, one that my soul and heart feel at home at, and that is Avalon or Glastonbury in the UK. And I'm going to be sharing about my personal story of how I was called to this place on earth, but also about what Avalon stands for as not just a physical place, but a field of consciousness that we can all access. And today's guest is Beth and Sophia. She is a fellow sister of the Rose and is originally from Avebury. Before we go into our conversation, though, I wanted to share with you my personal story of how Avalon drew me in and why it's so special to me. Uh, it all started in 2017 when my friend told me that I really should read The Mists of Avalon by Marion Zimmer Bradley. And I was like, yeah... I've heard of it before, but I don't think I want to borrow it because I don't like reading books in German and I'm really not a fiction person. 
And then this friend went out and bought the book for me in English and handed it to me. And I don't think that's ever happened. So when something like that happens, you're like, okay, I guess it means I should read it. And for all those of you who aren't familiar with The Mists of Avalon, in this tale we're introduced to the ancient ways of worshipping the mother that were practiced on these lands before the patriarchal Roman ways and Christianity came in and drove away this ancient form of, of worship. You get to learn all about the priestesses and the importance of their vision. And so that was my first contact with Avalon. But I didn't actually realize upon reading that book that Glastonbury is, um, for, for people in the spiritual community, quite a point of attraction, also known as the heart chakra of the earth. So time went by. Uh, in 2017, I also read Anna, Grandmother of Jesus, not yet realizing that Anna had ties to Avalon and actually lived there herself at one point. So fast forward in time to the fall of 2018, where I saw that my favorite singer, Elena Rio, was touring Europe and she was giving concerts and songwriting workshops in the UK. And I saw that there was one happening in London and gosh, did my heart and soul want to go, but it would have meant using up the last of my savings. And so I let that opportunity pass me by, but it just didn't let me go. And then I saw, okay, she's got another concert happening in Glastonbury about a week or so later, maybe I can find a way to get myself there. And it wasn't that the place drew me in particularly, um, but then I ended up going. And um, it ended up being a plant spirit that really helped me make that decision, which is what I'll share about later. Today's plant spirit transmission will be more... Um, like uh, me sharing a piece of writing about how the Hawthorne called me to Avalon. And when I got there, I felt more joy than I had been feeling in the previous months. I was just lit up from the inside out. And during my, my solo trip there, there were so many synchronicities unfolding. It was really like I had entered a, a parallel version of reality where everything that was happening was as if you were on mushrooms, but I wasn't. <laughs> but that's what it felt like, where life is showing you that everything is connected. And um, after that, I knew that Glastonbury wasn't just a place that you cross off your bucket list of places to see. And during my, um, I think it was like four or five days there, I hadn't even seen all the sites. I, I was just yeah, busy singing and dancing and I hadn't even been to the Chaliceville Gardens. So I, I knew that I had to go back there soon. And in the following months, I had several dreams where I saw the tour. So that's the, the sacred mound in Glastonbury that has um, the remnants of a church tower on top of it. And for some people, the tour brings up memories of witch trials and what happened when Christianity came and overshadowed the ways of the priestesses and the ways of the goddess. But for some reason, for me, the tour um, just represented so much joy and light. And whenever I had a dream where the tour was part of it. It was a dream that was full of just so much sunlight and joy. And um, I knew that it was calling me back. And it was actually during that trip in October when I was at my, um, at my bed and breakfast that my friend Erica sent me a screenshot from a book that she was reading at that point, which was the sequel to Anna Grandmother of Jesus by Claire Hartsong, and it's called Anna Voice of the Magdalens. And she sent me the pages where Anna is writing her last 
her last pages of goodbye before passing, uh, and she's writing them from her her little house in Avalon, close to the tour, which I then later found out when I read that book is where they had founded an Essene Druid community and monastery, and Mother Mary and even Mary Magdalene and other um, people of, of Yeshua's circle and family had all lived there for a while. And this year, in May, I was going through a really hard time, a really hard time, and um, I knew that I needed to make a cut. That's when I decided to join a retreat that was happening a little outside of Glastonbury with Leola Antara called, um, it was about sacred union, sacred relationships and sacred sexuality. And it was all about embodying our divine feminine and our divine masculine and, um, inner marriage of those two sides. The situation was similar. I used up the rest of my savings at that time and yeah, put all my eggs in a basket and I wasn't disappointed. I came out of that retreat feeling like I had reconnected to the inner divine masculine that is there for action and structure and uh, to, to put the visions of the feminine into reality. And that's when I started working on this podcast every evening and eventually birthed it on June 21st of this year. And, and I really attribute it to the healing that happened during that retreat. All of that being said, I want to let you know that, you know, if, if you have read about Avalon, heard about Avalon, and felt that it sparked something in you, but you're not in a place to go and take a physical pilgrimage there, then that is not a problem. I have a quote for you from Anna, Grandmother of Jesus, that explains why Avalon is is more than just a place. Yes, there are other places sometimes referred to as Avalon. It's like Avalon is a consciousness, not so much the name of a physical place. As a consciousness, it is the combined wisdom of the Magdalene Essenes and the Druids. It is an ethereal realm of peace, beauty, and magic that lies beyond the mists of the ignorant mind. And so today, my guest Bethan and I will be talking about what it means to go beyond the mists of the, the mind, of the ego, and access the, gnos the gnosis, the wisdom of our um, heart and womb, and of our, of our divine feminine nature. Bethan is an artist, a healer, an oracle and a guide, and she is an initiate of the Rose Grail lineage anointed by Mary Magdalene, Isis, Sophia, the High Galactic Feminine, and in her transmission carries the Alvin legacy of the stars. I think that's part of the reason why she and I get along so well. We both carry that Alvin fairy energy, and I'm so excited to dive into Avalon with you today. Hi, Bethan. Hello, hello, thank you for having me. It's a real um, pleasure to be here with you. I'm so glad to be having this conversation with you as someone who is basically a native to the sacred lands of the goddess and of Avalon, more or less. Um, maybe you could introduce yourself and explain what exactly your ties to Avalon look like. Yeah, well, I was born um, in Bath, so Bath's just like the nearest city to uh, Glastonbury, but then I grew up well, near Avebury, so just like in a village called Cheryl. I'm not sure if you visited Avebury when you came here, but it's the largest known stone circle in Europe. But I've always had family like near Glastonbury, so I've always like gone there since I was little. Um and then when I was like a teenager around like age 17, I used to go to the festival, the Glastonbury Festival. But I probably didn't stop going there kind of more on like 
you know, spiritual pilgrimages when I was around like 22. And, you know, I've kind of lived other places since then, but it's always, you know, I'm always kind of brought back here, you know, so this is the place I'm obviously supposed to be and I'm near Avebury right now, but I'll go often to Glastonbury. How far away is Avebury? <laughs> um, From Glastonbury? It's like just under an hour's drive. And they're connected, you know, like on the grids. Tell me more about the grids that you're referring to. Okay. Yeah, well, I feel like when people say the word grid, usually most people might think of it as like static. But what I really feel like they're far more actually like etheric and almost non-linear, right? Not really like a grid, like a, mm. a lines <laughs> crossing each other, but more like sacred geometry, like actual sacred ah. geometry made of light and energy that either maybe you see if you're like clairvoyant or you, you're definitely going to feel something if you're, say, really sensitive um, or if a DNA is already quite activated when we go to certain sacred sites, right? Like... Mm-hmm. Some people would call them ley lines too, or dragon lines, or the, um, I've heard them referred to like as the telluric lines or centers, you know, of the earth. So where uh, there's a lot of energy um, coming together, rising up from the earth. But it's also, for me, it seems to be merging with the, uh, what's also like almost descending down from the stars too, of the new consciousness that is being integrated on, on the planet right now. <laughs> so it's like these are these are places where this new consciousness can anchor into the earth into Gaia and then spread out from there yeah yeah well I guess like different places have different functions because to me Avery feels it more like a stargate or there's like a collection of stargates there but for me Glastonbury has always felt more more like almost like a temple because there's so much going on in Glastonbury and and, and Avalon it's like it holds some of the, yeah, the ancient um, crystalline temple of that land, right, of light that was there in ancient times and then, say, lost or went behind the veil. And now it's like coming back online during this time to activate us and especially through, like, remembrance, right, of our soul. So what you were saying when you would go to Glastonbury, how you felt this, like, return to yourself it feels like it has that effect because Glastonbury, it kind of connects like to loads of grids and ley lines that are going all throughout the earth. So it feels very multidimensional when you're there, doesn't it? Exactly. You have an offering that you're sharing on your website called the Avalon Rose Pilgrimage. I'll just read part of it and then we can perhaps go deeper into (laughs) what Avalon is. So your invitation is, Journey into the heart of Avalon, calling all roses and keepers of the grail. Glastonbury, the great Isle of Glass, the eternal Isle of Youth, the ancient Isles of Apples, the sacred land cloaked in mystery and overflowing with magic. She calls her sons and daughters home to part the mists and lift the veil of who we truly are, unlocking the keys to our heart and diving deep into our wellspring of our origins. Remember Avalon. She goes by many names and wears many faces. So you you offer physical journeys on the land of Avalon, but it also sounds like Avalon is is more than just a physical place on Earth. It's it's like a, a yeah a consciousness to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can feel that, and definitely through because um, obviously we're journeying here, you know, with the plant and flower beings, like tree of apple right that's in a way like every I kind of see that like every apple tree on the planet is almost like a gateway into Avalon similar how Hawthorne is like a gateway into the fairy realm Mm. and often you know these sacred plants and trees they mark they mark the the borders between realms you know and gateways into the other world and obviously the symbolism of apple it, it has so much um symbolism and that's why you know Avalon is is called Avalon because the old English word but Avalon and then apple and there's lots of apple trees there um, which carry loads of magic you know and wisdom and being connected to you know Aphrodite and Venus feminine. and uh, even as far back as Adam and Eve hmm. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you're specifically mentioning how these plants can be portals to other realms. And um, that was also my experience. I feel like Hawthorne played an important part in actually bringing me to Avalon and helping me make the decision um, despite the financial, you know, insecurity uh, to take that trip in October. And instead of having a direct plant spirit transmission in this show, I've decided to share with you a piece of writing about how the Hawthorne called me to Avalon in my dreams and also in my waking life. Are we dreaming or are we being dreamt? One. Dream time. My grandpa and I drive up to a field, the highest one around this landscape of valleys. I walk the circumference of the turned soil hardened by frost. At the far end, the fence by the road has been demolished. My grandpa has lovingly repaired it and already planted a new shrub to fill the hole in the border. I admire him for his dedication and care. He knows, unknowingly, the power of creating a physical container. Making love work is what he lives by. 2. The Waking Dream I drop my daughter off at my mother's and hike up to the fields near the water tower, the highest point around from where you can watch the sun set below the city. I was here in my dreams recently. My eyes are weary from staring at the screen for the past eight hours, trying to find the cheapest way to get to that place my heart wants to go in time for my favorite singer's concert. It would take the last of my savings and fear fogs my ability to act. I walk the circumference of a freshly turned field, tracing the path of the tractor's wheels gathering bits of quartzite as I go. The swishing sound from the country road is muffled by a line of trees and shrubs. And there she is, in her magnificence of berries and thorns, Hawthorne. I found her without seeking, or rather, she found me. Resting my offerings of stones and a feather by her trunk, part of me knows that she is my portal to Avalon. 3. The sun has barely risen, and the mists have turned the marshes into a sea of opaqueness. I bundle up and head down Torview Avenue with my goal in sight. Mirror image morning traffic is soon left behind, as I make my way to the highest point around, passing through the gate between this world and the other. I bless the grazing sheep on the verdant slopes as I rise above the mists, Steering off the main path, as usual, I see the sun has crept up to greet me, her long fingers reaching rays into the remnants of fog. I exhale through my mouth and watch my own misty air dissipate between the branches of Hawthorne, Glastonbury Hawthorne. There's so many like mysteries that you could go into when you go to somewhere like like Avalon. And that's why I love it. It's almost like a place of pilgrimage because it's going to be so individual to every single being who goes there. Right. So when I say when I tell people where I'm from, say I'm near Glastonbury, like everyone has their own version mm. of Glastonbury or Avalon. Or once people go to Glastonbury, either they're just going to see Glastonbury like the town or they're going to be such be initiated right through be able to part the mist <laughs> in a way and lift the veil and see the magic of Avalon that's that's there that I guess will reveal itself um kind of in the eye of the the beholder or or a name for Glassbury is the Isle of Glass so I always feel like in Avalon we see a lot of reflections of ourselves mm. and what I feel personally as well um especially like the last couple of years <laughs> is that when you go to Avalon, it's almost like a labyrinth. And obviously we know labyrinth from the more Celtic 
um, lineage and tradition. But I feel like if you go there like more than once and you go back again and again, it's like um, Lady Avalon, right? She's going to like initiate you um, into the mysteries of your being, right? Or your heart and your womb. And it feels like she starts to kind of like unlock things like in your soul that we're integrating at this time of, you know, ascension and like soul remembrance and embodiment and I just feel like every time I go there I'm like initiated and I never know what's going to happen next Mm. in this labyrinth what is the goal is it to get to the center of yourself or or to find your way yeah I mean I don't I don't know what the goal is but that's just like how it's felt to me Mm. because I've been going to class with you since it's kind of younger but the last couple of years it feels like anyway Avalon started to reflect like more shadow right Mm -hmm. things to me that I were unknown to me that obviously like my soul wanted to integrate and if you look above Glastonbury Tor it kind of looks a bit like a shape like a labyrinth but not like a flat one right because when you think a labyrinth you, you know the pattern of the labyrinth right like the the symbol of it it's kind of like a spiral right going in it's, but mm-hmm. Glastonbury Tor looks a bit like almost like a 3D version of it with the way the the land is like shaped so oh. I think that's also where the symbol of the labyrinth comes from. Because I had heard that before. That the energy then that's like being brought down like through glass patrol and into the land, it kind of gets like reflected out, kind of like this whole Isle of Glass thing, like this kind of multifaceted light template gets reflected out in the land. And then when you come to this land, you start to get initiated <laughs> through the labyrinth. I don't know why I'm laughing at myself. I think it's because I haven't heard anybody else describe it like that. It, it reminds <laughs> me of the idea of the pyramids and how the pyramids work. Yeah, yeah. I guess what, what you're destru- describing with these initiations, what, what's happening is that you can either come to Avalon and, and stay identified with your egoic mind and your thoughts, or something will happen for you to to part those mists of the thought realms and to enter deeper into your, I guess your embodied knowledge, like our heart yes. and our womb that knows without mental thoughts. Yeah. And I'm yeah. curious. Exactly. Exactly. As someone who grew up in that place, when did you start seeing Glastonbury perhaps as Avalon? Was there, was there something that happened? Um, was it a gradual process um, well, like I already mentioned, I actually grew up here near Avery, but this, this land is just as like magical, you know, like real pure goddess land. But I remember vividly my mom taking me to Glassbury when I was little and just like walking down the streets and seeing like all the magical shops. Cause you know, there's obviously like a lot of magic there and, and just having this feeling like, oh my God, magic is real. Like it's most definitely real. So that's like one of the memories that I have from when I was little. Um, and then I'd say, yeah, it was a, then I started going to Glastonbury Festival when I was around like 15. And then, I mean, I don't really know if I should share the story or not, because maybe people might judge me like a little bit, but because you're asking me, I have to kind of be like, be honest about it. The first time that I actually tried any drugs um, was when I was at Glastonbury Festival when I was 17. And I w- didn't plan to like take anything. I bumped into this woman and this woman looked very elven. Like she had very like blonde pixie elven hair. And uh, me and my friend, yeah, we ended up um, buying something from her. And the the pills that we bought actually had these little like tree of life symbols on. So that's why we were drawn to them. And we just kind of had this feeling that we should take them. Like there was a reason why she had past us and it felt um you know if it kind of felt I didn't know that time but it kind of felt like spirit guided right mm-hmm. so anyway when we take them um nothing really like happens so we thought like okay well maybe they just weren't like really real or whatever but then I remember in the morning dawn started to break and I remember the sun started rising and I remember looking up at the sky and I just started to see this huge goddess in the sky like this white goddess but she was made up of all these clouds 
And I just remember feeling this like overwhelming sense of love and connection to all life. And like that she was just always there looking down on us and her love for us was like eternal and um, all encompassing and that everything, you know, is always okay. And that we're always looked after kind of looking back at my journey um that is really kind of when my spiritual awakening kind of began and I was thinking like well that that's kind of when I started to peel through the veils and see Avalon in quite a whoa like multi-dimensional you know clairvoyant way Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes all it takes is one pill and then you're at another level that just opening up the, the veils yeah. of your third eye of your, of your inner vision. Did you ever find out what was mm-hmm. in those pills? <laughs> well, like this was the thing because after I had the whole experience, obviously then the next day I couldn't stop talking about it and telling everyone. And they were like, where did you get these from? Like, we need to find this magical elven woman. She sold this to them, to us, like, really cheap as well. Like, and the way that they had, like, a tree of life symbol on, I feel like she came by us because it was very kind of, like, spirit-guided, say, by the goddess because it was, like, opening my consciousness up to this higher consciousness or these magical realms at, at that age. And then, you know, it didn't feel, say, like LSD. It wasn't as like that. So I'm not really sure if they were like a mixture of something, maybe with some natural substances or if it was just some type of magical elven remedy or something. (laughs) That makes the story so special too, because in the end, this might have been some fairy woman who put a whole lot of magic and intention into Yeah. Well, I remember that's why we bought them off her because we trusted her. I had a similar experience in my early 20s when I was um, traveling along the West Coast mm. on my own. And um, yeah, I was on an island off of the coast of Washington State called Lopez Island. Oh, a far out place, no buses, everybody's mm-hmm. hitchhiking there. And I'm at this farm where I'm supposed to be helping out, but um, I wasn't feeling totally comfortable. And then this really like a fairy like woman from the southern part of the island came up and brought everybody brownies and she said that they had cannabis in them but at that point i was just super hungry i didn't have any food on me dinner was far away and i was like okay i want some sugar and chocolate i'm going to take a tiny nibble not thinking that anything would happen not intending to go on a trip and i ended up being yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like oh just the tiniest crumb and i ended up being wiped out and having um uh, visions for the entire night that that basically showed me the the energy lines that went through my body and at that point I had read about it through mm. Chinese traditional Chinese medicine but after that experience mm-hmm. I knew that it was real and I could see the light um, that went that goes through our central column in the spine. Wow! And looking back, I also see it as an initiation. And and yeah, it's funny how these things happen when we're not planning them orchestrated somehow yeah yeah like it was obviously supposed to happen and it really was kind of the beginnings so that was when you were 17 at the glastonbury music festival which isn't actually inside of glastonbury but on the countryside there and then how did your life unfold and when did you start going to glastonbury and actually seeing it as more as avalon and um taking your own pilgrimages there. So then I lived in uh, Brighton, which is a city near London. Oh, it's just below London, like by the sea, um, from age like 18 to 21. And then I moved back to Bath when I graduated from university and Bath is not so far away from Glastonbury. So that's when I actually started to go to Glastonbury more, just kind of like on my own, right? It was like a kind of pilgrimage. And I remember once I watched the sunset from the tour of a friend and I saw a huge like phoenix in the sunset it was the first time I felt like I was starting to connect with like my womb because I had this inner vision of what my womb kind of looked like or kind of the energy template of it my spirit then had like been coming more and more like into my body because obviously we have like our ascension process and experience but we have this kind of like descending process right as our light is kind of being integrated into our physical 3d human 
vessels and bodies too, I just started to feel all this like golden energy in my womb. Um, yeah, just like pouring from my room. And it felt like a very kind of like holy energy. And that's when I feel like I started to connect more with like the Mary lineage. And it wasn't long after that that Mary Magdalene actually came to me. Um, and then the dragons started to kind of come more into my reality. And I would just feel like all these activations happening in my womb. So at the beginning, it felt kind of more soft and golden. And then it felt more like this, like gravity um, that was kind of being conceived in my womb. And then I actually felt like quite a lot of rage, you know, and what you could call sacred rage and, and fire that um, in my womb. Wow. It's so interesting. <laughs> I had, uh, I had. <laughs> was me. I don't know how it is. Yeah. No, I, I think it's really interesting because I've also gone through a womb awakening within the past year, mm-hmm. even though I gave birth to my daughter about four years ago. So my womb has gone through expansion mm-hmm. and birth, but mm-hmm. it wasn't until somewhere in the last year that I was first able to actually physically locate my womb at the normal size that it's at now and to know like, oh, this Mm -hmm. is where it sits and this is where it is part of my body. And um, Mm -hmm. I was in a sexual relationship with someone that I had a really strong physical and energetic draw towards, but we weren't actually sharing much heart connection. And I think that really catalyzed my womb awakening because I'd have these moments where I would be feeling pain that would get so strong that it it felt like contractions, birth contractions in intensity, um, which I, I recognize now as my womb speaking to me mm-hmm. and, and trying to say, hey, this is also a place where your consciousness is located in your body and... Um, yeah. It actually went on. I had a, um, a copper IUD put in earlier this year, which didn't mm-hmm. end up sitting right. And then I had it removed. So I had to have it removed. And um, that pushed my womb into a lot of distress. And um, my periods ended up being super strong after that for several months. And things have slowly calmed down now. But um, but I think this, yeah. like the intensity of this experience, is is just one side of of the potential and mm-hmm. of what mm-hmm. probably what pleasure is also possible. And um, yeah, on the other okay. side of this, um, what does your relationship with your womb look like? If some of our mm-hmm. listeners are saying, "Oh, I, I'm interested in in cultivating a relationship with my womb as well," what are some things that I could mm-hmm. do? Yeah. Well, there's like lots out there and there's lots that you could do. And like I said, like mine just started happening more, you know, organically or as if like, you know, she starts talking to you because it's just like that consciousness and wisdom is like awakening in you. So it's hard to like like ignore. Um, But I usually just like to do a really simple practice where, you know, I just, I just place both my hands, like kind of in a downward pointing triangle and place in my room or I like to put, one hand on my womb, one hand on my heart. And I just like, if I feel, because usually actually more of my energy is actually more top heavy, like in my mind. <laughs> so mm. then I kind of just imagine bringing my consciousness down, like either through my front or usually through my back. And then it um, just kind of filling, right, my womb and feeling the energy of my womb with my hands on my hand and like breathing really deep from my womb and imagining that energy fill my heart and then spiral from my heart and then like go back into my womb again so Mm. it was a very simple breathing practice and because I'm quite attuned to energy I usually see it as a certain light so sometimes it's like red or maybe sometimes it's more like magenta pink or you could see it as like a golden energy um but that's just like a really simple kind of breathing and visualization practice that I like to do daily to just connect you know with my womb and see how she's feeling (laughs) yeah and not be so um in my mind and when I'm bleeding actually I'm on my cycle like right now and it's uh you know really the most sacred and magical time like for a woman and I like to like commune with my blood in quite a sacred and ceremonial 
way that I found was probably the most direct and powerful way to start connecting to the wisdom of my womb because obviously our blood holds like all of our DNA and information right of our of our lineage and so much so if you well there's different ways you could do it you could place it you know anoint yourself like on your third eye and and your heart or you could actually um consume you know a little bit of your moon blood and you know meditate Mm. with your with your blood and see like what wants to come through you know like a shamanic journey it's quite powerful Mm. You're ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Off. Yeah. Mm, speaking about these feminine mysteries and the the deep, dark void of the powerful womb is the perfect time to introduce today's medicine song, which is called Whispering in the Deep by Aya Rose. Aya Rose is a duo made up of Rosalie Grace and Mackenzie Madrone. Mackenzie was actually the featured artist in the last episode. And um, this song is written by Rosalie. And she says that the song was inspired by the elemental realms, by nature's spirits, and the cycles and rhythms of the earth. The song is an ode to the mystery, to the dark corners, our intuition, and our feminine nature are in our caves that hold the most beautiful gems.
perfect, isn't it? I'm wondering, have your womb and your heart always felt connected? Um, no, no, not really. <laughs> um, I would say, I don't know, I was always kind of like more of an open-hearted person, really. Because I think that's quite like the fairy energy. Usually when I meet people who have quite a lot of fairy energy, that their heart's like quite naturally open. I've always been um, quite openly loving, you know, and, and, and affectionate. But yeah, I really wasn't as connected, you know, to my womb and my yoni, especially since, um, yeah, during those initiations and awakenings I had. And there really is a direct relationship, you know, between our womb and our heart. And the, it's like the deeper I started to go within my womb, because a lot of healing, you know, has happened during this process. And it was like the deeper I went into the gates, because um, those you might not know, our womb has these uh, gates called the, you know, eight grail gates. So the first one is like the clitoris and that's the maiden. The second one is the G-spot and that's like the more lover queen archetype. And then the third one is the cervix and that's like associated with the crone. And um, mm. when you start working with that energy, you know, yeah, you might have to move through a little shadow like in darkness, but it's like the deeper I start to tap into that like power because that's really like when you're really tapping into a, um, our womb power, it's like it started to unlock deeper, like almost chambers, right, of my heart because I was going deeper into my feminine centers, right, and opening up myself more to feel. And even if I had to feel um, pain as well, it's like it then opened me up to feel more pleasure, right, and love. And, um, yeah, then you keep spiraling inwards to, to your womb until you go to the black uh, void center, right, at the middle. That point from which everything arises, everything's born. Yeah. You were saying that um, the marriage of the womb and the heart, um, is. there's also a trinity connected to that. What would be the child of the womb-heart marriage? Maybe it's our gift then that we birth out into mm. the world or something. Or it first for solar plexus because that's in between our heart and our womb, which I was going to say, I feel like my <laughs> solar plexus has really like activated during this journey. I don't know if you felt that. Oh, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, my solar plexus this past, um, yeah, all of 2019 has gone through such intense activation that I was actually in hospital at one point, um, feeling so much pain in the area of my ribs that um, was unexplainable. And the doctor, he said that if it didn't get better, I should go to hospital. And um, it was more pain that I'd ever experienced in my life, even more than childbirth. And I think it, it was because I, I didn't know what it was coming from that made it worse. But there was always a part of me that knew that the intensity that I was feeling was an awakening of my solar plexus and of all the, the nerves mm -hmm. and the ganglia that are in that area of our body. And that I knew that on the other side of it, it just equated to the, to the power that I hold in that area. After coming back from hospital, um, I had a, a little Reiki session with my teacher over the phone. And at that point... Mm -hmm. I had realized that the pain wasn't coming from my intestines, but it was related to my ribs. And there was a moment where it dawned on me that the pain had started the moment that this copper IUD had been pulled out of my womb. Um, I was at the gynecologist and she had asked me to cough so that she could pull it out in that moment. But I had just taken a deep inhale, preparing myself to cough when she pulled and um, I think in that moment, my, my diaphragm contracted and, and kind of dislocated some ribs. And um, what my Reiki teacher saw was that this was connected to ancient vows of chastity that I had perhaps in, in some past lives taken in front of the church. And um, yeah, somehow it, it not being safe to, to really claim my sexual freedom um, 
also, yeah, my, my solar plexus awakening then being connected to what was going on in my womb. And uh, this, the story went on. It didn't actually get better until I did this retreat that was all about sacred union and our inner marriage of the masculine and feminine. And in the days mm. preceding the beginning of that retreat, I had um, intense pain, like right below the arch of the rib cage. So like above the stomach. And it was at the retreat that I learned that mm-hmm. this is actually uh, a chakra. I think it's called the xiphoid. Mm-hmm. And it is specifically connected to our inner union. It has to do with the balance of our masculine mm-hmm. and feminine. Um, like if I try and inhale deeply, I still have a rib on my right side that feels like it cannot fully expand. So I, I, I'm still in this process. And I know that I'm also still in the process of integrating my inner masculine. Yeah. And so I also realized that my heart and womb hadn't been connected in, in my life mm-hmm. thus far. And I think that this is also part of this process of something that I mm-hmm. uh, I saw reflected in my relationships um, I realized looking back yeah. at the the ten years that I've you know been in um, male female relationships, uh, it was usually an either or. I was uh, either really attracted to someone and having great sex, but we weren't in a loving partnership, or I was um, in a heart relationship. Those were usually my quote unquote boyfriends that I wasn't actually so attracted to. I, and I've been calling in the the marriage of the woman of my womb and my heart, and um, mm. the image that I got for that was this uh, arch of roses. You know, kind of when like people get married outdoors and they have uh, yeah yeah a little rose arch that they're standing in front of or beneath, and that's mm-hmm. that's the arch that's the arch that I could see like connecting my heart and my womb. But yeah, I'm. In the process. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so like Avalon. That kind of like screams Avalon to me as well. Like that image that you just described. Yeah. um, This is uh, a little personal (laughs) detail, but I I feel like going into the girl talk, like when I was um, in meditation asking to connect to my, maybe my twin flame or my beloved, um, um, my higher self took me to the tour, you know, this is all happening in my inner, inner eye, um, took me to this tour. And, uh, there I sat meditating across from my beloved or yeah, for a day and a night. And, um, I could feel like the, (sighs) the energy that would spiral between us. And, um, when I, uh, was, at the sacred union retreat, we took a pilgrimage to the tour one morning and we we ascended the mound from an angle that doesn't really allow you to see the top of the hill and the tour until you really reach like the, the crest until you, Mm -hmm. until you're nearly at the top. And when I got there, I saw that there was a man sitting right where I had visualized my beloved and I sitting in that meditation. And when I saw him, my heart and my womb jumped and um, I sat down in meditation near him. Um, I didn't end up speaking to him. Um, He left, but that day we did a ritual that was all about marrying our inner masculine and our inner feminine. And I could see how perhaps all of this, all, from the very beginning, never really had to do with another person, but with my own inner beloved, my own inner masculine. Mm. I I don't know. And maybe I'll meet this person someday. And maybe it's just, yeah. um, The way that spirit talks to us is, is not always to be taken so literally. Right. Mm. But those are the, those are the kinds of synchronicities that will play out in the, realms of Avalon right <laughs> yeah yeah I, don't know, I always feel like that land has described itself to me as almost like the land of the beloved 
because it holds those Yeshua and Mary Magdalene codes. Quite a lot of people actually have said to me when they've come to visit Glastonbury is because they think they're going to meet their beloved there or they've had visions, right? Really? Oh. <laughs> Spirits guiding us. Yeah. And then maybe they have a completely different experience. But, you know, like you said, it's like this inner, inner marriage, you know, that are in a masculine and feminine polarities, right? Of us all that is alchemizing. And then whether that leads you down to the pathway where you, you know you actually come into union with your beloved or you know, or not, because it's kind of a mystery. Mm. But I feel like Glastonbury and Avalon is almost yeah, it holds those those codes, right? Those sacred marriage codes. So I think that's why people might think they might meet their beloved there Hmm. because it's like they're getting a key that's going to like unlock something. Yeah. (laughs) And even the, is it the chalice wells? Yeah. The chalice well gardens and um, the actual chalice well, uh, there's a picture of, um, of the lid or like the, yeah. The symbol next to the well on your website, which is, is, what is that called? The, Mm. These That's two circles? Ah. Usually we see it horizontal, but it's there. Yeah, it's vertical, isn't it? Um, chalice well. Right, as if like the earth and the sun um, or, or heaven and earth were marrying. Yeah, well, that definitely feels like that's the energy, you know, that um, is in Avalon, you know, like earth meeting the sky, heaven descending down to earth. Or you can see it, I guess, as like, you know, spirit. Um, being made into flesh, you know, which has a lot mm-hmm. to do with what we were talking about, this womb awakening journey or like this um, Christ path. And that really is, you know, going back to the Rochelle grids, what we were talking about at the beginning, because that's kind of how we started off this conversation. That's really like the main principle of the Rochelle grids. It's really like this uh, divine light program of um, the feminine principle, consciousness being restored on earth and the 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 main um purpose is you know to bring heaven to earth um it's like that's kind of what's happening as we're going into you know the golden age obviously there's still a lot of density here right and like old energy but this new grid you know new conscious new new template whatever you want to call it that's really what it's um crystallizing you know, on the planet and with, within us, right? Mm. With what we're talking about through our own alchemy of this sacred marriage and, you know, healing these really deep wounds, right, which are often like ancestral that we've come here to heal. Yes, so that's like the, the whole idea of the grids and the anchoring of the light is is just what's mm-hmm. happening on the the macro level and what's happening inside of us is like Mm. our hearts Mm. hearing, hearing the call and us then creating from our wombs and birthing that new age by actually, yeah, doing things in real life. Like it's not all ethereal as, as ethereal as we, as it might sound when we're talking about it, like this actually has to do with our everyday decisions. Do we hear our hearts Mm -hmm. desires and are we able to then, take action are we able to be in the feminine to receive these visions and these heart desires and then can we use our masculine mm-hmm. side to um actually make those things happen in our lives and our communities and thereby with each thing that we birth create actually create this golden age that you're talking about yeah well yeah and like like what you were saying about um when you read that passage about avalon i not just being a place, but like a realm, you know, if anything, it's like kind of, that's what it kind of reminds me of. Avalon is like another term. So like, you know, new, new earth, just that consciousness mm. that may, maybe is quite, you know, it connects to the ancient times because it's like this ancient with gem, HLs and Avalon, but it's our gateway into the new because we're receiving, you know, the new consciousness and it's like coming full circle, like you said, like coming, coming home to ourselves Exactly. The remembering, because it's not all just mm-hmm. new age and new codes. It's, yeah, going back to, yeah. the ancient, like you said, yeah. Yeah, and I think Glastonbury is like a really place of that, you know, remembrance. Like I've remembered a lot of things because um, it's like your, 
your soul gets more activated there and you can almost tune in to what I guess we would say like the Akasha, right? Or like the memory kind of um, banks. Or I think it's also because a lot to do with like the waters because the water is so special, healing and magical and Avalon. And obviously at one time it would have been surrounded by all this water. That's why it was then the ancient isles of Avalon, right? The isles. And water obviously has a lot to do with like memory. Mm. And I also feel that like when I drink the waters there and this different experience that I had, it's like you can tune in to the memory of water and what the water holds there and the codes that it has for your soul and what you want to remember at this time, right? Of awakening. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> so Bethan, would you like to let our listeners know how they can connect with you and what your offerings are at this time. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Um, yeah, well, probably the first protocol to connect with me is probably Instagram. That's probably where I'm most active. So on Instagram, I go by Bethan Sophia, and I'm always sharing my photos and messages and things like that on there and then my website is um createtricksoflife.com and there I have a few things like at the moment I'm offering the Avalon Rose pilgrimages to um well in Glastonbury and then I'm also offering the Avebury Dragon Adventures um I'll just say a little bit about that because you haven't really mentioned like Avery as much but that's like uh, an adventure like of Avebury of the original way Avebury was actually designed to walk and connecting more with the dragon energy that's there because Avebury from above, it kind of looks like a serpent eating its own tail and the symbol of the Aurora Bora. So diving into the dragon and the serpent mysteries and how that connects to a lot of the feminine mysteries and boom mysteries coming online, like in that land. Um, so that's like one or two days. Um, or you can, if you're over the seas, I do do like online um, sessions. At the moment I have ones up. They call these womb bloom sessions and they really are mm. there for this um, feminine, you know, blooming consciousness, which I feel like resonates a lot with um, like your medicine mm. you're sharing and support for, you know, women through this whole womb kind of awakening and restoring, I like to call it, um, process that I've gone through and also opening up, you know, to our sensuality and pleasure and um, sexuality. Um, and I do offer sessions to men too, although I don't have them up on my website, but if you're a man, I have done actually a few sessions like with men. And I also offer oracle readings. Yeah, Beautiful. So if you're guided to connect with me then please just uh, reach out or just like yeah connect on instagram and say hi thank you so much for sharing yeah thank you for sharing your personal story and your wisdom and your transmissions with us today so let us (laughs) let us all take some breaths together before ending this call and this episode, putting one hand on your heart and one hand on your womb and taking a deep breath into your womb space, imagining all of the light codes and verbal and nonverbal transmissions and awakenings reaching your womb and anchoring there. All the gold, all the glitter, all the fairy dust. And taking a deep breath into your heart, that unfolding rose surrounded by holy thorns. Gently opening your eyes coming back to your day. Thank you all for listening and for being here. And thank you so much, Beth and Sophia. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And you're um, such an amazing facilitator. Like you're 
your energy and the way that you communicate. It's like you're really gifted at it. Hmm. Thank you. 